is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. So the number one story is that Rudy Giuliani continues to be in a whole heap of trouble. And he really is in a whole heap of trouble. This is, uh, to the outside observer, a FARA violation doesn't seem like it's that serious. But a FARA violation like this is actually quite serious because when you're doing the bidding of another government and you're also the president's official lawyer and cybersecurity czar, it becomes a real conflict of interest when you're operating as a lobbyist at the same time. And that's why he should have registered for FARA. He didn't. Did you know that he was originally going to be the Secretary of State, right? That was his big ambition yeah, yeah. was to be the, yeah. and he couldn't pass the security clearance. They basically ran the whole thing on him. They're like, no, you can't be that. And they tried a few other positions and none of them worked. So Trump ultimately gave him the cybersecurity advisor post, which is a decent post. Not that we've had one before and not that Rudy Giuliani knows anything about cybersecurity, but nevertheless, he became the expert. In those first couple of years that they were in that job that he was in for the government, he made $14 million privately. Can you believe $14 million privately while working for the cybersecurity, uh, being the cybersecurity czar for Donald Trump? A huge amount. Shouldn't be allowed, of course, but how exactly did he make that money? On Friday, I ran through the first set of circumstances, which was Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman, who many of you remember from the news. You remember these guys. No, these were basically, they supposedly were his clients, I guess. They were Rudy's clients, but in many ways, he was working for them. Now, they paid him half a million dollars during this campaign to get rid of the American ambassador to Ukraine, Marie Yavonovich. And so she... She was eliminated from her job. She was removed from her job based on the campaign that these two started, Parnas and Igor Fruman, back in April 2018. They also played Pete Sessions $3 million. There's another bucket of money that was going to come from Rudy to Rudy Giuliani from Yuri Lutsenko, who was the attorney general, basically, the chief prosecutor of the Ukrainian government under the Poroshenko government. And that never happened. According to Rudy, he never took that money because he said it would look strange. So the suspicion is that maybe this half a million dollars that, that came from Lev Parnas actually was money that originally was intended to come from Yuri Lutsenko. And it's Yuri Lutsenko who had the real problem with Marie Yovanovitch. He was the one who kept saying that she wasn't accepting of him and his government and to Poroshenko because they were corrupt, essentially. Um, so he wanted her a place so they could, they could do what they needed to do more clearly. And that's why you know, there's a first bucket of money that Rudy Giuliani got. But there's another bucket of money that Rudy Giuliani got because he was the cybersecurity czar. For those of you who don't know, and I'm sure you're aware of this, Ukraine is split up into two halves. One half's not really a half, but smaller than that. But the, the orange part here is Russian influence. There's a lot of Russian population there. Putin has a huge hold over that eastern part. And the, the western side is more European influenced, more leans towards NATO. Both sides are just equally as corrupt. You can't really say that one side is better than the other. They're just, just corrupt Eastern European officials. Yanukovych was the Russian appointed or installed leader by Putin. He was ousted and he was replaced by Poroshenko. And it's and Lutsenko, the one I showed you just before here in the slide before, used to work for Poroshenko. So as the cybersecurity czar, Rudy Giuliani got to go around the world and make cybersecurity deals with everybody because he's such a brilliant cybersecurity guy. I don't know what he how he does this because clearly he doesn't have any experience in any of this but he went to he went to kiev which is the western part and he signed a deal with poroshenko for i assume many hundreds of thousands of dollars they seem to be going for about half a million and he went to kharkiv which is the russian part of ukraine and he signed another half a million dollar deal there 
all because they was, she was going to be providing all these cybersecurity details and informations and the consulting for both sides of the Ukraine, the, the Ukraine divide. However, as it turns out, the money that originally came from Kharkiv or the Russian influenced capital there in the eastern part didn't actually come from the city government, which is what they claimed it did. It came from Pavel Fuchs. And Pavel Fuchs is this guy who's a very well-known oligarch, very good friend of Vladimir Putin's, works in Ukraine as a sort of a conduit, basically, to Furtash, the, um, the mobster, and to Putin. And so he pays Giuliani $500,000 on behalf of Kharkiv to act as a, as a consultant for that city. Now, this is a big problem for Rudy Giuliani. Rudy has been running the same scam that Rudy always runs, okay? While he's doing all these deals, he's sitting up in the Grand Havana room every night, which is on top of Triple Six Fifth Avenue. Jerry, oh, that's yeah. where Rudy holds court. He's a drunk. He sits up there and gets drunk and smokes cigars every night. And he's basically like pay to play. You yeah. know, if you want to do business with Trump, you're going to go through me. He fashioned himself as the de facto secretary of state. After he couldn't be the real secretary of state, I guarantee you he was telling the guys on the back channels, I'm the one who will get your deal done. Just post 9-11, nobody made 9-11 worse than Rudy Giuliani. The command center fell down because Rudy insisted it be on top of a building by the World Trade Center instead of in Brooklyn, where the mm. chiefs wanted it to be. Because Rudy wanted to be able to do a walk on camera when the World Trade Center got attacked again, which was all but a certainty after 1993. So Rudy wanted to walk down from City Hall and look like the hero when all the press was covering it. I didn't it. know that and at all. Of. Yep. I didn't and know that he actually the, had the, the thing moved, the yeah. command center moved. He, he had it built because they needed a new command center. Oh, right. They needed like a terrorist command. And they he put it in the building. I forget the exact number, like Seven World Trade Center. It was on a top floor and it had a bunch of diesel tanks on top of it. Right, and it right. fell down and blew up. And that's part of the reason all the, the fire chiefs and stuff were just out in, in the courtyard outside of the Twin Towers. Like they mm. didn't have a command center. But he insisted it be in Lower Manhattan because he wanted to do that walk. How do you know that that's what he wanted to do? And the walk has always surprised me. It's always surprising it's all that, documented. that, it's that all, he wanted to he, do a walk, that he wanted that walk. Because, and like I said at the top of the show, everybody who covered Giuliani knew it was all about Giuliani. He's an egomaniac. So all of his governance was about how does it serve him? If the command center was in Brooklyn, there's no photo op. He can't get to Brooklyn right away. He didn't think like the towers were going to come down. They thought there'd be another car bomb in the garage mm. or something like that. And he'd get to, but if you realize or remember that famous picture of Rudy with the mask over his face, mm. walking down, looking like some general, that that's all my that seems so contrived to me. That seemed to me like now when I go back and look at it, it feels to me like I'm watching a PR move, basically, by someone trying to re rehabilitate his bad political career. At that point, he was his doing terribly as a mayor. And suddenly everything turned around when he was able to like do that big march and commanding people and doing things in a way that seems so I just didn't seem like him. I just didn't his, seem like him. It wasn't. His career was over. That was the, he was hated in New York City. He was on his way out. He was deeply unpopular. That thing happened. Bush, the President Bush was nowhere to be found that day. So Rudy got to step in front of the cameras, what he'd always dreamed of doing, mm -hmm. and pretend like he was in charge and he was the guy getting it all done. Meanwhile, he was the reason it was so bad. He wasn't mm -hmm. the reason the towers got attacked, but he was the reason so many firefighters died. He cut the funding for their radios. They all wanted better radios and he like, he gutted that, their budget and stuff. 
stuff. So he made it worse, but he pretended like he made it better. And I'll say one more thing. I lived at 180 East End during this period for years. So that's right across the street from Gracie Mansion. So when Rudy said the air is safe to breathe, like the next week he was like, yeah, it's safe to go back to work. You could smell the air. It was obviously not safe to, to breathe. Right. And I lived, you know, 180 East End is on the, is the East End Avenue. It's right across from the East River. Gracie Mansion sits right on a park, Carl Schurz Park, on the East River, right? Mm -hmm. So every night the winds would change in September and in October in the weeks and months after the attack. And our apartment would fill up every night with this acrid smoke of mm -hmm. a thousand computers and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, there's no way that's good for you. And I, I would suppose. look down when Rudy came home every night and got out of his SUV, he'd be wearing a mask for months afterwards. So back then I was like that liar. He's telling school kids to go back to school down at, you know, ground zero and he's wearing a mask months later cuz he knew the air wasn't safe to breathe, but he wanted everybody to go back to work and he wanted to pretend like he got the city back under control and it was safe again. It wasn't. And we lost tens of thousands of people after 9/11 from respiratory illness and cancer and all this yeah. other stuff cuz it was a toxic waste dump and Rudy didn't care at all. And so I did my colleagues in TV news uh, who until today right. in New York City struggle with the effects of that of event course. because they've yeah. they got a lot of cancer and they have a lot of issues, a lot of breathing issues related to that 9-11 right. that still impact everybody. Absolutely. And, and let me just please make one more point. Mm. I worked on all those ceremonies, the 9-11 ceremonies. So for a year or two after, so 2000, 2003 till the, the museum opened around 2012, I think. And I would be in the VIP tent. And that morning was the most somber thing in the world. We would have the children get up and read the names of their parents that, that perished in the town. It was the hardest gig in all of live mm -hmm. TV. Rudy would show up every year and he would come into the VIP tent and he would be smiling and glad handing mm -hmm. and like high-fiving people. Because mm -hmm. for him, Politically and economically, 9-11 was the best thing that ever happened to him. If you oh, remember, yeah. he set up, he tried to hold on to power as a mayor. He tried to cancel the election and just hold on to power. And they were like, that isn't going to happen. And then Bloomberg became mayor. So Giuliani set up a security firm, just like he did with the cybersecurity thing. And he traveled the world and got huge million dollar speaking fees telling people how to protect themselves from a terrorist attack. The right. guy who made it worse. Just like the guy saying he's cybersecurity dude who butt dials, butt dials people at 2 a.m. on his right. cell phone. There was that no, that uh, was it the no broken windows or the broken windows theory that well, that New York went on for a long time, and and really was spread around the world. Spent you know a lot of money and energy running around the world telling everyone to follow this rule or this new theory of policing, which is basically arrest people for the small stuff, and then the big stuff won't happen. It was all a lie. None of that actually it, turned out to be true. Like it didn't actually have an impact. On, on it crime. did not and it yeah. exactly and it yeah. wasn't even it was bill bratton came up with that and ray kelly yeah. and the reason crime he took credit for cleaning up the city and it was actually a port authority police guy who decided they were going to treat black on black crime as seriously as they would treat crime on the upper west side so if somebody mm. got mugged on central park west oh, that was always a priority in new york city policing right they made it the same priority if somebody got bugged in Bushwick. And mm. that is what cleaned up the city. And Giuliani had nothing to do. That was an internal policing thing that he just took credit for. You know, mm, Interesting. Yeah, really interesting. I, we, there's a lot more to be told about the Rudy Giuliani era as mayor, because it certainly feels to me like he 
that I, if it was choreographed, and we know some things now about 9-11, which we didn't know before, like the Saudi involvement in particular, it does raise a lot of questions about how much warning these guys had and whether there was a warning. Maybe there wasn't, but maybe there was. It certainly seemed like there was mob figures involved, the kind of people who may have gotten messages to Donald Trump and to, and to Rudy Giuliani about what they were planning ahead of time. We won't find that out in certainly not tonight, but there's certainly a lot of questions about how that whole thing unpacked itself on 9-11. But let's get back to what we we're talking about tonight, which is this. So you've got this, this cybersecurity deals that he's running around the world, giving Kharkiv and Kiev these half million dollar deals. These guys are opposition people in Ukraine. And then Pavel Fuchs, Vladimir Putin's guy, is paying $500,000 on behalf of the Russian side for the cybersecurity consulting or whatever that is. This is like 2019, I think, when I first ran this little story. This is my reaction when I found this. On the, I was doing all this, the same mapping that I'm doing now. But back in 2019, it was just the time of the impeachment trial was going on. And I put together this little look at, at what I said was happening or what I thought was happening between Rudy and all these other parties. Take a look ask, is Rudy Giuliani actually on the payroll of the Russian security services or of Vladimir Putin in his work that he's doing for Kharkiv at exactly the same time that he's negotiating all this other stuff on behalf of the president of the United States? In fact, you know, he says he's working only for the president of the United States in the Ukraine. But when you ask Pavel Fuchs, as the New York Times did, Pavel Fuchs says quite bluntly, Rudy is a lobbyist for Kharkiv. Would you consider him a lobbyist for Kharkiv? It's, it's important that you note that Rudy's not registered as a foreign agent. He's not on the FARA list for anybody. And yet there's the guy paying Rudy for his lobbying work in the United States to bring economic muscle back to the eastern part of Ukraine. And he claims he's a lobbyist. Rudy might be breaking the law. Rudy is probably in violation of a FARA law if he's in fact lobbying for Russia and Ukraine, which is what he appears to be doing by getting a check from Pavel Fuchs, who's directly related to Vladimir Putin. Certainly worth investigation. And that's, I think, oh, what's going go. on. That is, I think, what they're investigating right now. If I was you know, having gone back and looked at all the evidence that I investigated and, and a whole lot of other people did some great work on this, it does seem to me like this is what is at the crux of this. Was he taking Russian money through this oligarch, through Pavel Fuchs, while he was the cybersecurity czar for the American president? And where does that money go? F you know, where does that money go to? Is it all go to Rudy? Or is there another piece of it that goes to Donald? Because I'm sure Donald Trump isn't doing all of this and letting Rudy run around the world getting all these deals just because. And he's doing it because he's getting a piece of it, presumably. Absolutely. And kudos for figuring this out in October of 2019, a year and a half ago. You nailed it. That's right. Well, you know, you heard a, it this narrative is always two years ahead of everybody else. So this was a little narrowed. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Exactly. But no, absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing about Donald Trump. He doesn't do anything without getting a piece of it. Whether mm. it's somebody selling grams of cocaine on the right. floor of Taj Mahal, or whether it's his consigliere selling deals, backroom deals to Kiev, Trump is getting a taste. It's been that way since his mob day exactly. of buildings. It's why he cared about hotel rates so much. There's no limit to how petty he is. They would double bill, you know, per diems on Celebrity Apprentice. If there's M&Ms on a table, he's taking his cut and putting it in his pocket. Absolutely. That's who That's who we've known him to be. Right. So you exactly. know that behind all this documentation, there's got to be money that's flowing from Rudy back to Donald. Donald's not letting him do this, just pick on his own. No.
And, that, and then, so that's going to be really interesting as this case unfolds. And we've now got, you know, two instances here where there's funny money being floated around. The one was around the Ivanovich of, uh, firing, but then this, this new one is about so the cybersecurity money that's being paid mm-hmm. to, to Giuliani by Pavel Fuchs. And by the way, Pavel Fuchs was the guy who negotiated the first Donald Trump licensing deal in Moscow, you know, the 2006 licensing deal for a Trump. Moscow, the original right. one, none of them ever happened, but the original right. one, Pavel Fuchs was a negotiator on behalf of the Russians on that deal. So it's not like he doesn't know who Donald Trump is. He knows exactly who Donald Trump is. It's gonna get, and I suspect he might be cooperating. Who knows? Because he's, he's been on the, he's been on the, and certainly the Department of Justice has had his, their eye on him for a while now. Right. So he could be cooperating on this because he, he wants his assets and he wants to gain access to the United States as well. It, it, this is going to end up being a really interesting story and a really interesting investigation. I don't think Rudy's in a very good spot here. And as much as he can go on TV and deny, it's not going to be that easy to walk out of this particular scandal. It's definitely not. The question, but Rudy's crazy. Rudy Giuliani is as nutty as Trump, as at drug addled. Mm. Alcohol is a drug. Mm. He's literally drunk every night. It's, I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, anybody who tells you they know what he's going to do is probably lying because he's a loose cannon and it's hard to see him turning on Trump in a way mm. with his amount of arrogance. Not that he's loyal to Trump and not that Trump wouldn't turn on him and throw him under the bus. It's just in many ways, Rudy is the bus. Rudy, it, it, it's <laughs> just, it's going to be, it's interesting. And we could do it another time. We could yeah. talk about yeah. how they moved out the Italian mob for the Russian mob to come in. Uh, so there's, there's boss of bosses stuff behind the scenes yeah. that, that Rudy might be very aware of that ratting out would be a risk but ratting they've all he also knows that the game he's played and often ratting out right. is how you get off your chargers and you know the d uh this is the southern district of new york must be having a field day looking at all those communications they have all these electronic equipment that must be a like just a gold mine of information about what happened in the trump era but also just to relate it to his many kind of crazy foreign dealings because it wasn't just ukraine he has been cavorting and with with the dictators and the worst kind of people in the world for a very long time and there's also the other side of it, the uh, two lawyers attached to this, which is the, and we have Victoria Tenzing. Yeah, exactly. That whole thing, she's Furtash's lawyer. So yeah. how much information is coming from them? How much money came from Furtash to, to Rudy will be also fascinating to keep an eye out in the next, the next while as this develops. But there you go. Absolutely. Do you, you want to talk Absolutely. about Tucker or do you, are we, we're out of time, but we can talk about Tucker if you want. Well, it's Tucker's on his tirades every night yeah. and he's just, he's dangerous. You know, Tucker's yeah. been a schmuck his entire career, but I think he's making a play for sort of the the next figurehead of the GOP, even though he's not in politics, we, that doesn't matter at this point. It matters who's getting the most attention and the most clicks. And Tucker's really nailed down the formula of nationalism, crazy anti-vax theories, and becoming the guy that everybody's talking about on Twitter the next day. Can you believe what he said last yeah, night? Exactly. And having other anchors go on tirades against him. You know, I'm not an anchor, but I've <laughs> gone. He, he engenders that kind of visceral reaction that lends itself to, to sound bites. And, and there's no such thing as bad press when it comes to that kind of stuff. So Rupert Murdoch and the powers that be might be like, Tucker's our guy next time. They could be grooming him. You're absolutely right. You know, I, he, he doesn't need to be doing this, as LB mentioned on the show last week. He's wealthy on his own. Does he have aspirations towards power? Absolutely. He's uh, He is so offensive, and some of the things he's saying so out of normal bounds that, to me, it just seems impossible that we don't have a law in America that bans anchors from spreading the disinformation the way he does. It's just... It just seems to me like we need that law. I mean, everyone's very protective of the First Amendment, but there is a point where the First Amendment 
just becomes really damaging to a country and a, and a country's national security. These guys are fomenting uh, insurrections and now they're telling people that not to get vaccinated, which is why we may not reach herd immunity at the end of the day. These are national security implications for everything that they're saying every day. Absolutely. And it's all being directed by an Australian born guy sitting on his super yacht, you know, yeah. with his supermodel wife. And and he's allowing this to happen and people are going to die. People already died. There was another report that came out this week that Trump was the biggest spreader of disinformation. And had he told everybody to mask up and take it seriously, something like 500,000 lives would yeah. not have been lost. It was like 80% of the deaths could have been prevented if Trump had taken it seriously. But it was more important to appeal to the base. And like you just said, that's what Tucker's doing. He called President Obama a creepy old man last night. Obama's 58. Trucker's, Tucker's 51. Yeah, by all accounts, it's uh, Tucker's tastes in women and the people he dates in DC is, is, is questionable. There's certainly yeah. maybe a lot more common between Gates and Tucker than we realize. So we'll see how that uh, that develops uh, as well. <clears throat> Absolutely. We can do another show on that. But there's definitely, that's the other thing is the compromise. We talked about Giuliani. We talked about Trump. These guys all have the same tastes. And when they get together in their depraved fraternity, they bring each other in on it. Like Matt Gates, for example, it came out that he was showing pictures of, of himself having sex and, and naked girls and stuff on the floor of Congress. He wasn't doing that saying, hey, look what I did last night. He was looking for the marks. He was mm. looking for the guys who would say, hey, I'd like some of that. Mm. Just like a drug dealer would be like, oh, I got some mm. pretty good weed in my car. Well, they, people missed that, but that's what that's about. It's getting more people in on the grift and in on the compromised behavior because then you own them. Right. It really is like a cancer. Once, once they've got you and then it spreads. So it's really, it really has to be rooted out. Noel, it's been fun. We did our first countdown show together. Just the two of us. It was good times. Thanks awesome. for being on again. Thanks for having me. Good times. We'll see you here next week, Tuesday. And on Friday, the after show returns with LB and Greg Oliar. And I'll be back then. And until then, have a great night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative.